How we doing, tribe? Today I am sitting down with Gerald Limongeli. I am very excited to speak to this guy. I found him online and we've been chatting a little bit. I'm learning about his story and his journey. He's got quite a past. He, he had a very successful run in the entertainment industry in LA, in nightclubs, uh, doing different things. He worked in marketing with big Fortune 500 companies, Apple, Spotify, Netflix, and so forth. And he found himself living a very successful life uh, in Santa Monica and living and thinking he had everything he needed, money, status, whatever, his supposed happiness. And I'll let him tell the story for you, but in his own eyes, he he kind of had an awakening and he went on a spiritual journey and he, he traveled the whole, whole world, went to Bali, learned yoga, went to India, Peru, different places, you know, where a lot of people tend to find themselves going, searching for something. And long story short, he came back with a... a an idea and a passion to serve others and to serve men and started the man movement and wants to empower men to learn how to be better men essentially and kind of left that world that he was from into a more conscious lifestyle of service to others. So let's sit down. Oh, and I forgot. I mean, he's a three-time Ironman uh, competitor. He's a, he's a wrestler. He also completed the Appalachian Trail over 2,000 miles walking, 20 miles a day. So he's done a lot in his life and learned a lot and uh, looking forward to having a conversation with him. Nothing you do matters unless what you do matters. I'm Amadon Delerba, and this is Get Real or Die Trying. How are we doing, Tribe? Amadon Delerba here. Get Real or Die Trying podcast. I have the pleasure of sitting down with Gerald Limongeli. Today, I met him on the cyberspace where we meet so many people these days, and hopefully those cyber connections will turn into real human connections in the person, which I have faith, and I'm sure it will. And so uh, he knows some of the same people that I know in Austin, Texas, pretty cool area and what he's doing with his life. And so we've been chatting and I'm really excited to have him on my show and uh, share with you guys and my listeners what he's up to today in the world. And uh, him and I can have a chat about that and all good things. So how's it going, Gerald? Going great, man. Thanks so much for reaching out and making the connection. I'm super grateful to be here and um, thank you for the opportunity. Yeah, man. I appreciate you hopping on. Thank you, brother. For sure. Yeah. So, tell me about the uh, tell me about the man movement and what you're doing there. Yeah. Thank you. Um, so, MVN or Man Movement is uh, a company I started right in the beginning of the pandemic. Um, just organically grew from an idea I had that wanted to create a space for men to to be seen and heard, but also to still embody the masculine in in two phases, which you know alpha or assertion and beta passivity. Um, I had just come back from traveling the world in 2019. I was in Bali and then India and then the Amazon jungle. I came back, found a dream place in Topanga, all was well. And then the pandemic came and the job that I had went away. And at that moment, instead of panic, I leaned into the tools that I learned throughout the years. And I just sat and listened. And what came to me was um, 12 different lessons that I thought all men should explore. I started writing them down. And next thing you know, I had something. I didn't know what it was. I didn't know if it was going to be a company and this and that. And 
I just kept leaning into the process and recalibrating and changing it and fine tuning it. And then before you know it, the, I formed a company, all the names are available. And, um, I set out to call in 33 men to come into my first group. It happened, um, took them on a 90 day journey, um, through self-discovery, focusing on mind, body, spirit, and service. And at the end, the transformation with these men were real. And I knew that the calling was exactly where I need to be. I leaned into it and I just finished container two, another 33 men now calling in another 33 men. And, um, it's been a mutually healing journey. I see so much in these men and characters and avatars that I've played in my life. And now I get to repay the knowledge back and share that with men who are coming into their magic, coming into their king. So yeah, man movement is just a great mission to redefine masculinity in a, in a very curious world that we're living in this moment. For sure, man. Well, you touched on a lot of great stuff and redefining masculinity is such an important situation that we all have to be aware of uh, and take responsibility as men to put ourselves into that situation uh, and, and take accountability and do that. And we'll talk some more on that. As you heard, uh, listeners from the bio of, of this guy, you know, he came out of kind of the fast paced culture. You were working in, in, the, in the nightclub scene. You were working for Fortune 500 companies, uh, media mm -hmm. and marketing and, and all that. And you kind of had this uh, awakening, it seems like. And through your world travels, you decided to apply your skills and, and live a life of more service the way I look at it from, from reading about you and hearing about you. Talk a little bit about that process of the, the consciousness shift that you went from, from your old life, so to speak, in California in that scene to your new life and the awakenings you had and, and the sense of responsibility that you may have found in yourself to, uh, to change. Cause change is one of the most important aspects of all of our lives and we're all called to change to ascend to grow to redefine and to transform yeah it's a great question um yeah i'm not really sure if people ever really change i just believe we finally see ourselves as the way we were supposed to be whatever that is um and that that was my experience was you know of course having a tough breakup will always be a good catalyst to move you forward. And I was going through that. And I just remember laying in my, you know, 17th floor Skyrise apartment in Santa Monica, which I believe would have been the pinnacle of achievement and the fancy, you know, AMG Mercedes and the beachfront view. And you got it all, dude, right? What's the problem? Hunker up, go find a new girl, go make more money. And I asked myself a question. I said, what would get you out of bed every day if you didn't have to get a paycheck? So I got curious about what's your passion. And then I wanted to know if I knew my passion, would that lead me to my purpose? And I had heard something where, um, on another podcast and my friend said, when passion meets purpose, that's where greatness resides. So I started getting really curious about, you know, what am I, what am I doing with this precious time on earth? Am I just following the footsteps of many, which was make money, go crush it you know, keep advancing or am I actually creating impact? Am I actually in service? And that's where I want to live life. So in order to get there, you have to lean into the super uncomfortable aspects of who you've become and who you're presenting yourself as in the world. So I did the inward work. I started saying, why are women acting this way around me? 
How do I show up in front of other men? Why am I so curious about jobs and entertainment and nightlife? Is it proving? Is it all these things about me? And that is a really hard moment in your life when you find out, holy shit, I am showing up like this. And instead of turning around and running, I went the other way and it was the greatest thing I ever did. And that's what I, I really enlist men in getting curious about how do you show up? You know, where's your line of integrity? Does your word mean anything? You know, look what you're attracting because what you're attracting is truly a subconscious feeling about yourself. Maybe not on the surface. You look great, but deep down, is there love for yourself? Can you look at yourself and say, I really see this man in the mirror and I love that guy. And I didn't love that guy. Mm -hmm. And that was the truth. I loved all the external validation that I got when I proved that I was worthy. Mm -hmm. So I went on a journey of proving I'm enough. Mm-hmm. And you know what? I'm still on that journey. Because oh, I'd be sure. lying to you if I said, for sure, brother. I've arrived. You know those uh, people. I've arrived. <laughs> we'll be on that journey for a while, man. You know, our whole ascension process in, in the flesh in this exactly. life, we're, we're on that journey. It's just different levels of attainment that we keep acquiring, you okay. know. But it's a pursuit, man, like the pursuit to self-mastery. Uh, that's what my podcast is about. And, and mastering the self is it's a difficult thing to do. <laughs> And we need we need support. We need we need tools. We need guidance. We need spiritual elders, teachers, mentors to help us along the way. I, I'm super blessed in my life to have spiritual elders, you know. And whether I always listen to them or not, that's a different question. <laughs> I should, but uh, usually a good spiritual elder tells you what you don't want to hear, you know. And, and they're kind of getting to the crux of the matter, and they can help define and. and help people actually realize their weak points and how to overcome them. And I think in this modern era that we live in, we see a lot of the uh, coaches, life coaches, self-help coaches, which I think is a great thing. Some of them are more valid than others. <laughs> um, Absolutely. But, you know, there's a lot of charlatans and, and fakes in the world. And then there's also people who can really help people. And I think that one thing with the pandemic and this kind of shift that happened in the last year of 2020 is people were kind of forced to go inward. They were forced to get real. Like my show is called get real. And I say get real or die trying because that's all that matters is getting real. And if you're that committed that you're, you're worth dying, you know, and, and what I mean by that is your lower nature, the weak parts of yourself, parts of ourselves have to die in order for the, the new better higher selves to come to light, you know, and to go through that transformation Mm -hmm. process. And like you said, it can be uncomfortable and painful. And, you know, there's often catalysts in our lives, you know, that help us take a step back and like, wow, here I am. I have everything I thought I wanted. I'm at the pinnacle of success. I got the nice car. I got the high ride in Santa Monica. I got the Skrill, (laughs) you know, I'm doing great, (laughs) but I'm unhappy, (laughs) you know? Yeah. I've had this conversation with a lot of people at, and they've gotten to that point and then they're like, wow, there's got to be more to life. And I think that's the consciousness shift of where all of a sudden the mind and the heart and the soul start placing more value on spiritual values and things rather than the materialistic world and the material things that we think give us happiness because none of that gives us happiness. I've, I've interfaced with billionaires who are unhappy. Mm-hmm. They, have, they have everything they think they want and could ever have. And they're actually quite miserable because they haven't come into a peace in their heart, mind, and soul. 
I think thus enters the the pathway of spirituality and the conversation of spirituality, which can either divide or unite people. <laughs> On this planet, spirituality and you know religion, especially in dogmatic uh, theology and small-minded fundamental thinking of that supposed spirituality has caused a lot of separation on the planet from people. And now is the time to bring people together. And I think what I'm really liking, what I'm seeing in the world right now is people are realizing, and I think through the isolation of the pandemic and feeling so alone, people really realize, even if they couldn't tangibly articulate this realization, that they realized how important human connection is, sense of community, and brotherhood, sisterhood, camaraderie, support. Yeah. Because we live in a world that is full of so much competition. And you know, like men in the world, we're, we're, we're taught to compete, to be bigger, to be stronger, to be richer, to be better looking, all this bullshit, you know, that yeah. we think defines us as what a man is. And same thing with women. And it's all about competition. We come out of that age into cooperation, you know, we start feeling a lot more happiness. Now, I myself, in my own personal life, even though I prescribe to these ideals, I try and live them. I actually literally live in a community of people and have tons of opportunities for teamwork. I myself still fail in being the best team player that I can be. And it's an interesting thing to me myself when I really take a step back and analyze how that could be when I've actually grown up in a completely different culture based on cooperation that it, it leads me to then study my own psyche my own self the psychology of man these things that we have as men and there's different types of men you know, like you said there's alpha men beta men but the alpha male of dominance competition you know pride one of the things that is so sad and, and why i like to have you on my show is that what's sad to me about the culture of this world today is jealousy and competition yeah. And it prevents so many people from connecting and just having like beautiful men from connecting and, and, and being vulnerable and being real with each other because we're just egotistical or we don't connect or we have that pride or we're jealous. Like a lot of men are jealous of what other men have or women, vice versa. It's a human problem. It's a lower nature of, of human beings, that jealousy that prevents us from, from really living in our true selves. And you, I saw on your website that, uh, you talked about disappointment in, in your bio and it talks about overcoming failure and, you know, and thrive through disappointment. That really stood out to me because disappointment and failure that happens in our lives is something that either shapes someone to go forward in more strength and courage and vision, or it sets them into self-pity, <laughs> sorrow, non-direction and, and yeah. wallowing. And I myself have experienced both. I've experienced the power of both. And I say power because it can also be negatively powerful when you fall into self-pity, self which I've made the mistake of too. I've also embraced disappointment as well. And so the duality of all human beings exists in this pursuit that we have, you know, but I wanted to uh, read a quote from a book that I study called the Urantia book. You ever heard of that? No, I'm a, I love to read, so you're going to have to send that to me. Yeah, dude, the Urantia book. This this book is heavy duty, man. It's 2,000 pages thick. I love that. It's a book that came through an anonymous sleeping prophet. It took years. It started coming through in 1911. It was published in 1955. 
It's an epical revelation, a spiritual textbook that's just unbelievable. Amazing. And it's not really even a book that you just read from front to cover and say, oh, I'm done with it. It's a book that you study your whole life. And it's got a lot going on. But one of the beautiful quotes that I remember when I was reading your bio and about you know you and, and your passion for overcoming disappointments was uh, this quote here I wanted to share with you that I thought you would appreciate. It says, uh, but life will become a burden of existence unless you learn how to fail gracefully. There is an art in defeat which noble souls always acquire. You must know how to lose cheerfully. You must be fearless of disappointment. Never hesitate to admit failure. Make no attempt to hide failure under deceptive smiles and beaming optimism. It sounds well always to claim success but the end results are appalling. Such a technique leads directly to the creation of a world of unreality and to the inevitable crash of ultimate disillusionment. Success may generate courage and promote confidence, but wisdom comes from the experiences of adjustment to the results of one's failures. That's pretty fire right there and absolutely accurate in every yeah. way and beautifully written. Yeah, it is beautifully written. The, the book is incredible. I'll definitely shoot you a, an email afterwards with the info for where yes, you can please. read the whole thing online for free. But so many tidbits of, of, of gems like that. And the uh, the community that I'm blessed to live in, we study this book and, and the principles and the teachings and we live our lives, try to live our lives by really applying those things like I just read into our life. It's, it's pretty amazing to be surrounded by that many people who have a collective consciousness and a spiritual unity. You know, we have unity without uniformity, which is a concept that's taught in this, in this book called the Urantia book. But you know, for me, a scenario in my life, I'm trying to improve in, which is not falling into self pity. You know, mm. I can, I can really succeed in a lot of areas and feel very confident and good about myself in some. And then there's these little corners and fragments of my mind and soul in different areas that really can trigger an entire self-pity downfall. <laughs> and I think men, I bring it up because I think men in general can have that same psychology about ourselves that, you know, men can fall into shame and self-pity. I think I saw in one of your videos, you talking about shame and, uh, when you fall into shame, like you said, you don't think you deserve anything. Right. And that's a problem because then you're not empowered and you become a weak man, you know? Yeah. You know, I, I learned a lot about shame because I was the master of the shame game. And like most men, shame was a catalyst to self-punishment. Self-punishment was a catalyst to um, excessive fleets of physical accomplishments. And you look at guys like David Goggins. Everyone reads his book and says, I'm going to go out and run 200 miles. I'm going to be the man. But no one reads the last line of the book where he says, if I would have just learned to love myself, I could have bypassed years of punishment. Yep. And I saw myself doing yeah. that with Ironmans. And I did three Ironmans in a row in a calendar year. It wasn't enough. I, yeah, I was going to ask you about those. Yeah. Yeah. It's punishment. You have to want to be punished to do that yeah. in, a, in, in a fun, playful way, but deeply down it's all about punishment. Interesting. Yeah. You're, you're working through some sort of trauma and it's just in a physical standpoint. Some people do breath work. Some people go somatic healers. Some people do ayahuasca, right? Tried it all. And this is just another form of I'm not enough. 
And a lot of men, every, basically every man that, come, man that comes into my program, they love the shame game. Yeah. I'm not good enough. My wife doesn't see me like this. I can't get the job I want, but shame, shame, shame. And, and it's, a way of, it's a way of not taking accountability. Yes. And it's also tied to, you know, what you were saying. It's okay to not win all the time. It's how you handle that loss, which is not really a loss. It's an opportunity is what I love teaching people. Everything in life is an opportunity. Are you humble in victory as you are humble in defeat? And that's tied to integrity. Who are you? Can you take the knowledge, put it inside you and say, thank you. When a girl says, I don't like you, you're not hot enough. Thank you. The boss says, you're not getting a promotion. Mike is, and he's 20. Most men go, but I've been here for 10 more years. I earned it. No, you didn't. But guess what? Here's the opportunity to say, if you don't see me, I'm going to find the next guy that does because I know my value. Thanks for the opportunity, and you move on. Integrity. But they stay there, and they wallow, and they go home, and they talk to their wives, and they bitch behind the scenes. Yep. Yeah, another quote I'm going to read. I think you might like to, just because it's in the same yeah, vein here. <laughs> yeah, that's from the, the Rancher book as well. This is good stuff, man. This is like eating like a spiritual steak, you know. <laughs> oh, that's a great call right there. The measure of the spiritual capacity of the evolving soul is your faith in truth and your love for man. But the measure of your human strength of character is your ability to resist the holding of grudges and your capacity to withstand brooding in the face of deep sorrow. Defeat is the true mirror in which you may honestly view your real self. Mm. Wow. Yeah. This book's fantastic. I'm going to read that puppy for sure. <laughs> yeah, buddy. I'll send it to you. It's good stuff. I, I, I thought you might like it and, and just learn about your journey. It. So tell me about, uh, you also did the, uh, so you're talking about these things you did where you were dealing with your shame and you're pushing your, your body and your soul and your mind to the, to the max, basically to punish yourself or which I can actually relate to. Cause I think there's been times where I feel really bad about myself and I'll just like spontaneously go on like a rigorous run just to like mm-hmm. make, make my, make my body hurt. You know, it's like, exactly. it's an interesting thing we do, but you also walk the, uh, the Appalachian trail, which is like what, 2,189 miles or something. And yeah. that's quite, that's quite a journey. And I think, I always think of uh, Henry David Thoreau and, and his essay on walking, which I just I love. It's like a, it's a coffee table book in my home, you know, just, you know, and just like what it's such a beautiful spiritual, you know, practice to just go walk you know, out in nature, away from the distractions, yeah. away from the social media, the phone calls, the people, the world telling us we're not good enough, all the bull- we have to deal with and just mm-hmm. enjoy, you know, the silence and enjoy the revelations we can receive while we're walking. And I was curious about that. Did you do that with other people? Did you do it by yourself? Did you break it up over time or? Yeah. So I always say the trail was the start. It was the start of curiosity. That was 2015. I had just quit working in night or just turned in my party boots. I said, that's it. And I was living in Las Vegas. I found what I believe is the undiscovered gem is a mountain range 8,500 feet up in Las Vegas, 30 minutes outside the city. It's called Mount Charleston. Hmm. There's pine trees, it snows, wow. and there's a, only, only one restaurant at the top, and that's it. No grocery store, no nothing, 400 people. 
I'm driving around and I just said, you know what? I'm going to explore up where it says residential area. Don't go up there. So I did a little, you know, against the grain. As I'm driving, a guy puts out a four rent sign. I was like, what? I asked him, what's the deal? And he says, you want it? I said, yeah. He said, it's yours. I was like, what the heck? No, like an interview? And I, you know, he goes, this is mountain life. It's different. So I move into a two-bedroom log cabin, no Wi-Fi, no internet, nothing. And I just remember reading, because I watched the movie, but I was reading John Krakauer's book, Into the Wild. Yeah, saw And I book. was fascinated with the, the freedom that was tied to this non-binary lifestyle. And I said, if it's any going to happen, it's going to happen now. And I just went there. I didn't know anything about backpacking, camping, nothing. I showed up by myself and I started to walk. I walked through 14 states and you're right. What I learned is when there's no more chatter and you're just tapped into the earth, you're tapped into the frequency, you start really understanding more about yourself. And I always say that that was my walkabout. That was my 2000. 189 mile meditation where I hiked 20 miles a day for 150 days. Wow. And so you had no training. You know, this is not like a lifestyle you had. You came from the party scene life, LA fast life, just and started walking. Yep. Had no wow. idea. I just, I just was an athlete my whole life. I was a division one athlete in wrestling and yeah. I knew I could do it physically. Yeah. But what I didn't know, which all the ups and downs, all the lessons, the nuggets were so powerful and when I always look back at that, I was like, you know, Mother Nature, what a beautiful teacher. Yeah. When you just observe, because everything taught you something. Yeah. Everything. Yeah. Yeah. You, you brought up some great points there and you brought up Mother Nature. And, and I've been uh, studying through the teachings of my spiritual elders recently, who happened to be my parents, actually, too. Gable of Urantia, Neon Emerson Chase, they're both authors. They founded this community and they're credible souls, you know, who have a lot of wisdom. And we've been doing a lot of study lately on the universe, mother spirit, and, you know, the mother earth and my spiritual understanding of things. You know, I prescribed a certain belief. You prescribed a certain belief. Everybody has these different beliefs, but you can't deny the beauty of the mother earth, you know, and have that. And there's a, there's a strain and a thread that goes through all religions and the indigenous and everything about the earth and the mother earth. And one thing I've been coming into lately in my own consciousness as a man is being masculine as I need that balancing of the feminine of the mother earth more and of the mother spirit. Yeah. And we've been studying about, you know, we're talking about men here and part of being a balanced man is reflective of what we call the three circuitries, the father circuitry, son circuitry, and mother circuitry. Mm. And, you know, these are circuitries that we're endowed with from the creator and how we tap and balance into those is, is a unique process for each individual. Some men are more naturally father-circuited. You know, that's the alpha male, the strong, you know, more more there in their masculinity, so to speak. Then you have the son-circuited, then you have some men who are, or, or more actually in their mother-circuited. You know, and it's not necessarily a bad thing. It's just that we have to find balance. And when you see these three avenues and balancing out these three avenues of circuitry to become a whole man and a balanced man, it's, a, it's a, definitely a study. And I've been trying to learn about that from my elders recently about in my life where I operate too much in the father circuitry, too much mm -hmm. in the always go, 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 kind of machismo intense, you know, and it's not, <laughs> you know, I also have the beautiful, I'm a, I'm a father, I'm, I'm also very gentle and tender and I have, I have all circuitries, 
but it's about balance. If I'm operating in one too much and I'm all the time in that aggro, you know, attitude, then I'm not balanced. And so trying to find balance as men on this planet, I think is so important because to be honest with you, a lot of ways, a lot of the problems of the whole world and the consciousness and a lot of the global problems that we see, I think, start with the imbalance of men, not women, men, <laughs> you know, and that we as yeah. men, we're either way too macho and insecure and we make stupid decisions from ego and competition and pride and insecurity or men nowadays too are too afraid to stand up for the truth, to be decisive. It's okay to be a man and to make a decision and to commit to it and to follow through with your decision. And not everything in life is kind of maybe sort of, and you know, no, there's yes and there's no, you know, and a man can do that and, and, and pull through that commitment and just studying the culture of today and the rhetoric of the media and all that you hear, it almost seems like the, that the imbalance of men is so extreme now. You either have just the aggro or the effeminate and the balance of where that, you know, truly spiritually balanced, mature, trustworthy, you know, man is, is, is disappearing. And, and that's why I think it's good where, uh, men like yourself and others who are trying to help bring back that conversation, bring back that empowerment to men to take a step up, you know, get real with themselves and to stop chasing the wrong things, chase the right things, which is really values, you know, how we grow, how we can ascend into better men, because the planet needs good men. We're lacking good, compassionate men. And a lot of my podcasts in the past have been on these subjects because it's something I'm trying to explore and grow in myself every day, you know, how to become a better man, essentially. And it's not just right. about simple things. It can be quite complex and, and unraveling even just generational things that we, ab we absorb as men on this planet. Like I was saying before, I grew up in a community of people yet I still have a problem sometimes being the best team player that I can be, you know? And that stuff wasn't taught to me. It's in my soul. It's in my DNA. Right. And so it was never taught to me. Some men, things were taught to them wrong by their uncles, by their fathers. They have to unlearn. But we as men are products of the world that we're a part of, and the world is imbalanced. And so we have to start seeing that, catching ourselves, changing, and then holding our brothers accountable. And I think that there's some processes in your in your man movement where you where you do that in your own way. There's so much you just said. I was like trying to remember all the nuggets because <laughs> yeah. um, it was all juicy and it was so you're very uh, tapped in and you and you really see it very clearly. And I I see that in you and I respect that and I'm really appreciative Thank for you. getting to have this really good high level conversation. You know, something that popped in when you were talking was you know two things I would love to tell you was. You know, I had my um, human design chart read, right, along the many things that I've done to have someone tell me who I am. And I remember the guy who read it back to me said, you know what? You're not an alpha. You're more like a wizard, like a Gandalf. And I took it as like, I'm not a man. Mm -hmm. Because my perception of the man was the G.I. Joe, right? The hero. Yeah. Who's the hero in Hollywood? It's not the guy that says, I'm sorry, I love you. It's the guy that tomahawks someone's head off and gets the hot chick. He's the hero. <laughs> the guy who drives the Bugatti with the millions of dollars, he's the hero. Not the yep. guy who says, I work hard for my family and I show up for my kids. He's not the hero. 
Yeah. And then I watched, so right after that, I watched the movie, The Matrix, which I believe, you know, I, I watch it all the time because it's really a journey of self-discovery. It's not about yeah. this, the world we live. In. It's really Neo seeing Neo as the one and the one is himself. Yeah. But I remember that scene when he sits with the Oracle and the Oracle represents to me, everyone in the world, it says to him, you have the gift, but you're not the one. And he could go in that moment and say, I'm not the one, forget about it, and go back to his mundane existence. Yeah. But what does Neo do? He opens his heart. The love that he emulates out of his heart chakra for right, Morpheus, who he doesn't really know, but he develops compassion for another person. His love for that man allows him to step into his magic. Yeah. Right? And he becomes the one. And then the love from Trinity when he's dead inserts life back into him when she kisses him, unconditional compassion. So I said to myself, when the call comes, you have a choice. You either retreat back into the belief that you are not enough or you step into the, oh my God, I'm scared, mm -hmm. but I'm ready. And I chose to make that choice. And most men, when that choice comes, and really the choice is, is what, right? I'm going to decide that I'm going to finally look at me and I'm going to say, I'm going to work on myself. That's the choice. Yeah. And we, some, a lot of them choose to run away. I don't want to do it. It's too painful. It's too scary. Yep. And I love that you eloquently put that together, right? Like we're all given the opportunity to learn, like you have it in you, right? You're a natural leader. But you also are a natural nurturer and you get to learn to be both and be the child, which is receiving. Yeah. But it's interesting, right? Because not all men can be the hero. No, they can't. Yeah. Like Batman needed Robin and Robin knew his role and it doesn't make Robin bad. Right. But some people naturally have that leadership quality. They step in and they hold the staff and they say, I'm here. Hear me. Yeah. So, you know, men all want to be Batman. Yeah. No one ever says, you know what? I want to grow up and be Robin. He seems cool. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's true. That's a good point. And, you know, not all men, right? not all men can be that the Gandalf holding the staff and being the leader. Um, I think in their soul, in their soul ascension, maybe someday, lifetime after lifetime, they can, which it brings up a whole other huge complex subject of, of belief or not. But you know, we're spiritual right. beings in these bodies and we're vessels and there's older souls and there's younger souls and there's souls that have been around the block a few more times, have a little more wisdom and they've been reincarnated, if you will, in these bodies, had lives, you know, now if that's not a belief someone prescribes to, that's okay. You can still, even if you don't believe that you can meet people where you can say, wow, this guy's 30 years old and this guy over here is also 30 years old. But this guy over here who's 30 years old has way more wisdom and has way more together and has these natural leadership abilities and qualities and self-confidence right. way beyond this other guy. Why is that? Well, it could be his upbringing. It could be this. It could be that. Or it could be his soul age. It could be his spiritual wisdom. There's all these factors. But at the end of the day, what I'm realizing is it doesn't matter what you believe those reasons are for. You just have to recognize that about that. That guy has it or that woman has it. And, you know, when you recognize someone who's got those qualities, it, that's the brotherhood, but also the submission and acquiescence to their wisdom has to take place. And I think, too, like 
one thing that's really sad about Western culture, and you travel the world, you like, I think you said you went to Bali in different places, and you've oh, probably seen everywhere. this. You've seen this more than me because you probably you travel the world more than me. But I just know from my interactions with uh, people from all over the world, is that in Eastern cultures and philosophies and theologies, there's a recognition of the elder. There's the there's the guru, so to speak. I don't mean that you know that word guru has been. Totally. totally beat up in this world, but there's the beautiful guru. And in Western culture, we're not looking for our gurus, so to speak. We're not looking for our teachers, our spiritual elders. I call them elders because that's how I was raised. And I also have a lot of interface with Native American indigenous spirituality and, you know, those elders of those people and the First Nations people of this land, you know, that we find ourselves living on. And the respect that they had for elders and you spent time in Peru as well with shamans and the elders are those people. And so I think one thing that I like to do as an American millennial man is encourage other <laughs> American millennial men to find their elder. And the cool thing is, dude, it doesn't necessarily mean it's some old guy with a big white beard <laughs> You know, up on a mountain somewhere, <laughs> like we have these. You know, we have these romantic ideas of of that. Sometimes your elder can be somebody younger than you, even, and it takes humility to recognize, oh, that person there, for whatever happened in their life, have it together more in this area, and have gathered and absorbed more wisdom and truth because of their life experiences, and they can help me grow in this moment or in this situation, and they can mentor me, they can teach me, they can be my elder you know, and, and, and learn from them. And so I think it's sad that American culture has like such disregard for the ancient wisdom that can, is passed down generationally in first indigenous elders, but also just the elders of our, of our families, the grandfathers and the, the fathers who do have more life experience. But then there's the spiritual elders thus enters in the, the idea that they may not be older than you but they're your spiritual elder because they started their journey well before you, you know, and they got woke before you did and they've learned some things. So they may be 30 years old and you may be 40 years old, but actually they know a few more things than you in that realm and that submission process and that learning process and that cooperation process that can, can take place is a beautiful thing. And I like when I see that happening in the world because it's, it's a part of my daily normal life but it's not a part of the, the daily norm in the world, it doesn't seem like. Right. I love that you said you, the word elders, by the way, it's like totally awesome, and that you said you follow Native American Indian culture. Um, I always was drawn to the Lakota people, and I listened to this guy when I hiked the Appalachian Trail. His name was Robert Tree Cody. Hmm. He's a flute player. And when I did man movement, I... Um, let's just jump to the end. I was able to locate him and get on a phone call with him. And I oh, was cool. like, wow, the world is so interesting. Right. Yeah. And this guy that helped me through this whole journey subconsciously while hiking, listening to the native flute and sleeping at night, right. In the stillness, I'm talking to him and we've built a friendship. And he told me this quote, this Lakota quote that it always stuck with me. Right. Was he said, being a warrior is not about taking lives, not about, scalping people or, you know, being the force, being a warrior is learning to cry because mm -hmm. when a man learns to cry, he learns to understand, he mm -hmm. creates compassion. Mm -hmm. And 
I found so much healing in just being okay with crying. Yeah. Yeah, me too. I'm a weeper. <laughs> I love weeping. Give me a good weep session. I'm like, and then you come out of it. I'm like, thank you. Yeah. 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 It's, it's interesting. No? You know, the, the world we live in teaches so many wrong things to men and to women, to everybody, but men can't cry. We have to be these stoic, emotionless things. And, and the idea of what we think it is to be manly is so distorted. Yeah. And when you tap into becoming, becoming a father in my life also changed me dramatically, gave me so much more perspective, compassion, and just tapped into it just almost automatically, you know, your whole, your whole life changes when you have that much responsibility, this little being that you co-created, that's a gift from the creator that you're responsible for, you know, instant change in your consciousness for me. And I, th you know, I don't, I'm not saying that's for everybody, but I think when you truly love and you're, and you're tapped in and you have children with the right person, your soulmate, that can happen, you know, mm. and I'm blessed to have that, you know, a soulmate and, and a woman that I love and children that I've, you know, a third one on the way and two little ones now. And, and just, yes. you know, yeah. But if you want to man up in life, have kids. <laughs> Cause to be a good father, you know, when I, when I, my wife first got pregnant, we weren't going to find out the sex. We wanted to be surprised. And I, I said a prayer that it would be a girl because I wanted, I didn't feel ready to raise a son yet. And I say that because I felt like, and I still may not be ready, but I already have a son. He's 18 months year old, but maybe I'll be ready when he's seven years old. And I need to start teaching him things about being a man. But I say that because I, I prayed for a little girl because I knew that that little girl could teach me how to be a better man. Wow, that's powerful. So, that, so then I could teach my son how to be a good man. Because, wow, yeah, like what a responsibility to raise. There's so many weak men on this planet, hurt men, wounded men. Yeah. And now I have a little boy and I'm raising this man. Like what a responsibility to raise a good man. And of course a good girl, my little girl, but you know, as a man, I'm, I have to teach him how to be a man. And as a woman, my wife has to teach her how to be a good woman. And these are sacred rights, you know, sacred responsibilities. So when I realized that process that I took it that seriously and I wanted that little girl first before my son, I felt good. Like, and that's because I was taught right by my father. Gabo of Urantia, who, you know, has done a lot, incredible life, and is an incredible teacher, an incredible man, and was very hard on me in the good way, and showed me tough love, and raised me right, and so I was blessed to have that kind of jump start in life that some men don't have, because they don't, they have absent fathers, unfortunately, yep. and I think one of the biggest problems of, of today's violent culture, and, 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 and world, and misogynist, patriarchal, distorted society, is that too many fathers are not good fathers. We've just perpetuated the sins of our fathers. And it, the cycle has to stop, you know. And even if we had, like, I was blessed to have a great father. But if you weren't or someone wasn't, we can't live in self-pity. We have to stop that cycle so that when we become fathers, we raise our sons right, you know. And that process for teaching men, I think, is is really important, too, of realizing if, if, if a man is, is trying to come into his true self and character and, and live a spiritual life, that part of that is if they're going to have kids to then really identify beforehand, what is it that I want to pass down to my child and what is it that I don't? How was I raised wrong? And I'm going to stop that cycle right now because the planet 
too many things that get passed down over and over again that are wrong. And so we as the new generation of men, we have to raise our kids differently. You know, I think that's super powerful. I agree with everything you're saying. Um, I think that's truly what called me into doing what I was doing because I noticed that, you know, I didn't grow up with a dad. I had a stepdad. Um, my dad left when my mom got pregnant with me. And, um, you know, whatever his journey was, but when I did reconnect with him, probably like 18 years later, um, and I learned a bit more about him, I learned that he grew up in a violent atmosphere. Mm -hmm. Where at 12 years old, he was forced to work in a mechanic's garage, and his dad used to beat him with monkey wrenches and chase him with a shotgun and get drunk and choke him and beat him. And, you know, you take that environment, right? How is he going to love someone? Yeah. What does he know about love? What does he know about saying, come here, son, sit on my lap. Let me open my heart to you. Yeah. And then I attract a, into my life a stepfather who had the same childhood as my dad. His dad used to beat him and wait for him behind doors at school. And this guy didn't love me. So I knew in my heart, I said, wow, what an honor. I get to break that masculine lineage in my family and create unconditional love. Yeah. So if I do get blessed with a child, I get to pour love into that child. And if I don't have a child, I get to pour love into every man who probably shares a similar story to me where dad didn't show up. Yeah. Yep. And the way that started was I had to show up for me first. Cause how am I going to hold that frequency for men? Yeah. I think what you bring up too, it correlates to the, your answer book, which I was reading from earlier. It talks about the highest concept of God, the creator, is the father concept of God. And, you know, I'm not talking about the evolutionary religions of Christianity and, you know, our small idea of God. I'm talking about the big cosmic God, the creator. And, you know, if someone doesn't believe in him or not, that's okay. But the, the, the father concept of God is such a beautiful concept, but it also has a duality because so many men never had a good father. But, you know, when we start understanding the universal creator as the universal father of all creation, and that a father, a true loving father, only wants the best for his children. I don't know if you have kids, but, you know. Not yet. Not yet. <laughs> but when you do, you're going to see that all you want is to give your kid everything. You'll give your kid Jupiter if you could. You'll give your kid, and I don't mean yeah. it like in a spoiling way. I mean it in the true love of just like you just want the best to protect your kid and give them everything they want. And that is the love of the universal father. But I think that there's a disconnect in the psyche of man and God, the father, and that spiritual process that needs to take place to create godly men, if you will. And I don't say that in a Christian sense and, you know, all of the, the stuff that's happened on this world around the word God. I mean that in being accountable to the divine nature of the of the consciousness of God and, and, and acquiescing to God, the personality, which is bigger than we all think. But that connection of men not turning to spirituality, I think, somehow has to relate to not having good fathers in their lives. Because we're all products of this reality of what we see. And we grow up and we, we learn about Christianity and we learn about God and we see all these things. And then God looks like a pretty retarded guy. I mean, he's pretty angry. You know, if you grow up, he's like, this God is a moron. Yeah. <laughs> he's a violent, you know, violent, punishing, narrow-minded, you know, angry dude. And that's, and so then we shy away from that as men, yeah. you know, we don't want anything to do with that. Yeah. But when you grow up with God being this 
super cool, loving, you know, cosmically vast, you know, creator, you have a different outlook on that. You know, and the Urantia book then brings in Jesus Christ, who's way, way more, again, vast than the Jesus Christ of Christianity, you know, and the relationship with Jesus that I feel blessed to have is something that's so unique that I can't really share on all levels because it's it's not like the Christian, you know, linear binary, this is Jesus Christ, he came and died for our sins. Mm -hmm. Because the Jesus Christ that I read about in, in, in the Urantia book and, and, and relate to died because of our sins. He was assassinated, you know, he was murdered. He was taken out because he rocked the system, he rocked the boat, he, he rocked the establishment of Rome back then, the Wall Street of the day, and he was killed for the same reasons that great leaders mm. who've created consciousness shifts on this planet had been killed. Martin Luther King rocking the boat, you know. Malcolm X rocking the boat. Even J John F. K. rocking the boat. Yeah. All taken out. Taken out because they were on the cusp of creating a global consciousness shift. They're a threat to the powers that be. That's the Jesus that I, you know, he was taken out. In some ways, he died for our sins, but not in the way that Christianity teaches. It's more that he died because of them. We killed him. But having these understandings... I love that you just rattled off like... Go go ahead. Sorry, you just cut out there for a second. No, 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 go ahead, go ahead. I love to keep coming. Oh, I was just going to say, having these, these understandings, I think, of, of the history of this planet and these deep spiritual understandings that we, whether we prescribe to or not, they do affect our thinking. That's the funny thing in this world is... If you're raised in a home and whether you ever get told about God or not, or don't get told about God, or you grow up in a fundamental Baptist church or not, um, you're going to know about it and you're going to think something about it in your subconscious. You're going to be a product of the world around you. And so at some point, man or woman in their evolution process has to decide what they're going to believe, how they're going to live their life. Otherwise, they're going to be non-absolute in their life process. And so part of discovery of each human being is, is prescribing to uh, what you believe, you know, and finding that I think belief is a very strong thing. You could believe that there's a, an orange blob in the sky <laughs> and, you know, whatever, it's a spaghetti monster, and, or you could believe there isn't. It doesn't actually matter. What actually matters is that you're constantly seeking the highest truth. Because at some point you're going to end up at that truth. And some people think they end up at that truth, and then they convince everybody else that that's the only truth. And that's what being a fundamentalist is. But that only truth actually is not the only truth. They got a long way to go, because when you arrive at the true true, you realize that it's, it's inclusive, not separating. It's unity. Mm. It's connection. You know, and that it's a, my, my father calls it the spiritualution movement. Oh. which is the merge of the words spiritual and evolution, spiritual and solution, spiritual and revolution, a spiritualution movement. It's the uniting of, of consciousness and man, stepping away from dogmatic, antiquated religions, anything that separates us, the isms, the schisms, you know, whatever, and, and one creator, one planetary family, one connection. And I think that I call it God consciousness, and because when I say consciousness, because we're aware, um, when you when you come into God consciousness, you're automatically a better human being. I don't mean automatically in a cheesy way, like oh, all of a sudden you're perfect and you're lit and you're enlightened and you've arrived. 
but I mean, it cre- it creates a, it creates a realness about your reality that you're then striving for perfection because that's what spirituality is. The pursuit to self mastery, perfection. Now perfection is a pretty intense word that we can be intimidated by, but ideally when you become woke, like you on your journey and all of us, all we're actually doing is trying to become better and better every day, more perfect versions of ourselves. But actually, in my belief, we're just ascending towards the personality that God already created for us. There's the, yeah. the blueprints already made, man. Our higher selves already exist, and we're trying to ascend towards it. I love that you rattled off all my favorite people. <laughs> if you were just thrown in Nelson Mandela and Gandhi, it would have been an official, yeah. official Wu-Tang clan of awesome dudes. Like I always say, like, yeah. I think Jesus is like the absolute coolest. Like he is the coolest guy. Totally. Hands down. I always try to just like, what would Jesus do? Yeah. You know, when I'm like angry or I'm mad, I'm like, this guy was so cool because he could hang out with, what they would say the lowest of the low, right? When he's like putting his hand on, uh, reaching out and helping the the adulteress or the yeah, prostitute, yeah. he's loving her unconditionally. No judgment. But then he's he he's hanging with the kings, yep. and they're threatened by him because he's such an OG gangster of like love. Yep. And um, and I love that you took out the Christianity of it. Just look at Jesus as the guy, the mission, the purpose. He was able to hold that frequency all the time. That frequency of unconditional love and compassion for everyone. And, you know, I, I really been leaning into that more in my life. Like, you know, I got like a beautiful picture of whatever they say Jesus looks like. Right. Yeah. But just the idea of him. And then whenever I'm going through things or I'm tapping into things, like even this moment that's happening right now, before you even found me, right. I said, I said, you know what, God, Jesus, I really just want to, I, I want to be, speaking my message to the world. Can you please open that up for me? Mm. Can you please let me, you know, I want to be on 50 podcasts, whoever these men are, whoever these people are that will let me speak my voice, please call them forward. Literally the next day I get a message from you. (laughs) My other friend hit me up, said, yo, can you be on my podcast? And I just, you know, in that moment, I almost get teared up and I say, you know, thank you. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you. Yep. For letting me speak the truth to the world and letting it, the truth be more about love. Absolutely. I mean, that's what Jesus taught, you know, and it's funny because you talk about love again, it's been so kind of Walmart, Walmarted, you know, the concept of love, you know, it's like, yeah. but love is the key. And when you realize that that's in order it. to be loving, there comes this whole other set of things you have to overcome to be truly loving. You have to overcome pride. You have to overcome jealousy. Mm. You have to overcome shame. You have to overcome all of these things to actually be loving. So we can talk about loving, we can write about it, oh, and you know, romanticize about just be a loving soul. But then there becomes the work. So to me, love is like this crystal castle that has to be built all the time. And it, it doesn't just appear. You gotta start working, you gotta put in the labor, you know, you gotta pour the foundation, you gotta build the walls, you gotta polish, you gotta, you know. And yeah, it, and we get to choose it. Yeah. It's exciting, man. It's a beautiful world. And you know, and Jesus, the Urantia book teaches what's really cool about him is he wasn't just a guy, so to speak, but he was you know, we think, oh, there's God, and then he had one son, Jesus. And that's it. No, no, no. Jesus is an order of being called the Creator's Son, and there's seven hundred thousand plus of them. Now, it's a divine being, and he, he incarnated, if you will, in the flesh as a human man on this planet and lived a life as a human, 
to live as an example to other humans to how to live our lives. But the Christians think, oh, it's just, you know, God had one baby boy and that's it. <laughs> no, no. God created a massive universe full of celestial beings, different orders of beings and creators. And and, and Jesus is a creator's son, which means he has cre he created this universe and this planet that we find ourselves in. And, the, you know, I, I, I laugh when people say, oh, the universe guided me. Well, they're right. But God guided them. Because the universe is intelligent, but it's intelligent because God created it that way. So God did create a very intelligent, beautiful universe that orchestrates through thousands of celestial beings and particle reality this moment for you to somehow, for me to somehow find you and for you to pull out your phone. So when you said that prayer, God heard it. He got to yes, me. He did. I found you, which I honestly, I think I'm just scrolling somehow. Maybe it was on Preston's page. I don't know. Yeah, Preston um, I think that, did something about my big win uh, manifested my dream car. Yeah, you know, it's funny, actually. I manifested my, my dream car in some way. Uh, it wasn't a Maserati, actually, a lot different, but I got it in Austin, Texas. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it was, uh, where was I about that? Oh, yeah, so I was just talking about when you said that prayer, the intelligent university to orchestrate all of these things to happen so that I found that video and then spontaneously reached out to you right away and then you got back to me. Now, it's not the non-intelligent universe, it's the intelligent universe created by a personality creator that made that all happen, which is a beautiful thing. And when, you know, people have various understandings of that in their own way and that's fine. But for me personally, I find such a, a safety. It's kind of like being in a safe home like a literal home. If you're in a safe home, you feel good. You can kick back. You don't have to worry about it. It's safe. It's secure. So when I say safe home, I mean safe home in the entire universe. Like we're in a safe home. Now that doesn't mean that the world's messed up and there's things that are astray and that people don't live safe and don't want to hurt you and that there's a lot of problems because there is. But when you tap into that spiritual consciousness, you kind of get the superhuman consciousness of you can roll through life in a different way in the high vibes. Right. Because you know that God's got your back. <laughs> I love that one. I always say that, you know, like, like, and the little caveat at the end of that is we always forget to show gratitude. Yep. That was something I learned, you know, when you're down, you're not thinking gratitude. You're not saying like, oh, God, I see what you're doing. You're opening up an opportunity for me. Yeah. Thank you. Yep. I call it the yes moment, right? I learned that from Christopher Lee, one of my, one of my coaches. You know, you, things happen in your life, you think it's a disaster. He goes, yes. Yeah. So like when someone calls me, oh, I, I, I don't want to do the program. I want my money back. Yeah. Yes. Give me someone who does. Yep. Or when you're at your highest high, I get down on my hands and knees. I put my hands in the dirt and I say, thank you so much for another, another go. Yeah. Another opportunity, another chance. I'm so blessed. Yeah. Yeah, man. And I, one last thing here, I was looking at you. Oh, I was watching one of your videos on, on your Facebook page when I was uh, scoping you out. And I, you had a video about being real. And you're like, I'm just a dude from Long Island. You know, I'm trying to be real here. And I was like, that's what I like. Because that's what my show's about. And I think today in the world, we have so many people who are just, there's so many facades. You know, they're trying to be somebody else. Yep. And sometimes I have more sympathy because they just don't know who they are. So they're just searching and they've adopted mm. this personality that isn't really them. And it's not so much, you know, it's just they don't know and they're searching. But then there's some who are sophisticated charlatans who are fakes, 
you know, and, and yep. those guys pissed me off. Um, <laughs> there's a lot of them. Same. And, you know, they're everywhere. They're everywhere. And it's, it's an interesting world we live in where you get, people think what your, your, your worth is, is validated by how many followers you have or something, you know, 100%. and that really ticks me off because I hardly even use social media. I'm not out there every day trying to get followers, but I know I have something to say. And so do you. And so does everybody. And, and those people have so much to say, but just because they don't have 200,000 or a million followers, whatever it is in this, in this, you know, digital age we find ourselves in, it's kind of a joke, you know? And so finding the people who have something to say, uh, and that are real people who've learned from life lessons and are down to earth, um, is, can be difficult sometimes. You have to sift through all the bull****, you know? You know, I, I, I struggle with that and still do with, you know, not wanting to be on social, not wanting to show up, not wanting to talk because I feel like, you know, look who, look who's getting the attention. Yeah. You know, if I, if I post a, a video of me dancing to a uh, Nicki Minaj video, then I point and I say, are you spiritual yet? People are like, yay. <laughs> um, but if I talk the truth, be like, nah. Yep. And I got to give credit to our, our boy Preston because, you know, I had brought this up to him. He said, why are you on there speaking this great stuff? I said, I don't know. You know, and he said, this is about you. He said, why don't you just show up as the man I know? And I said, well, you know, you can't say that. And he said exactly what you should say. Yeah. And that inspired me to get on that video and say, yo, it's full transparency. I'm a Guido from Long Island, man. I'm not you no know, guru. Yeah. I'm just a guy that's been through so much and I'm going to keep it real with you. And if this message heals one person, then presto, I'm doing God's work. Yeah. And I leaned into that and it felt so good. Yeah. And I continue to do that. I'm just going to show up as me. Yeah. You know, you either, you, if you hate me, then that's your medicine. Great. Lean into that. If you love me, that's your medicine. Lean into that. And it's our duty to do what you're doing, what I'm doing. You're, you're putting out the real expression of who you are. It's beautiful. And just keep doing it. Yeah. That's what I tell people. Who cares about the followers? Yeah. Care about the impact. One person, Mother Teresa. Yep. In fact, one person, watch the ripple effect. Yeah. And once you, once you realize, too, that if you're speaking the true, true, man, you're speaking truth, you're not going to have millions of followers. Millions of followers. I didn't have Instagram. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. You're not going to even be on social media, but which is a tough one too, because literally every day I'm like, I'm about to just delete it all. It's all, it's all such bull****. And then I'm like, wait, uh, I just want to reach one person. If I can reach one person, it might make it worth it. And I just wanted to get rid of yeah. it. You know, like I hate it. It is so fake, but then there's a place for it and finding that balance. It's like finding that, uh, balance. the self-control too, because it can be such a distraction. We're an addicted society mm -hmm. and people are just scrolling, 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 scrolling and taking in all this data is what it is of meaningless banter, basically, you know, uh -huh. the Kardashians, whatever you came to say their name, they got millions of followers and all these people have millions of followers and it's just absolutely meaningless banter. Yeah. In fact, wor worse than meaningless, it's actually very harmful because it's distracting from meaningful stuff from the people who need attention, who need help, who need values. And so, there's guys like you and me, and I think Preston, like you said, and others who are, are putting the good vibes out there, trying to help people. Right. And those are the ones that need the attention and uh, to be followed. But I appreciate you uh, coming on my show. If you if you uh, if you and talk to Preston, hit him up. Tell him I'm a good dude. I'm trying to get him on my show. <laughs> He's right here in the next office. I'll go tap his That's shoulder. That's funny. You know, say, I actually, hey, I, actually my boy. I actually messaged him. I said, Hey, Preston, I don't have a ton of followers. Don't worry about it. I said, Come on my show. I'm a real guy. I think you're a real guy too. We can talk. You don't need a ton of followers. Because we we can have a conversation, we can have a conversation that's going to be valuable that people are going to see, and you don't have to have a million followers to be heard, you know. That's right.
I got you. I'll go. Ta- I'll tap his shoulder and say I had a blast. <laughs> I'm gonna have to hit up Austin soon, man. The whole tribe's there. <laughs> Come on out. You got a place to stay anytime you want. Cool, man. I really appreciate you coming on my show. A lot of good conversation. I think yeah. we'll do it again sometime too, man. I'll keep. Uh, I would love that. Cross promoting what you're doing. It's uh, us us brothers. We got to connect, man. Out in the world, we got to. Uh, you, yep. you know, and spread the, spread the love and encourage others. You know, there's too much competition. That's one of the saddest things. Like I said, like I've I've met so many mm-hmm. guys in the world, especially in New York. I mean, you know, New York, it's just that's a brutal environment. But I've sat down with guys that I really like, and I want to like them, and I want to uh, work with them. And they're just like, there's just too much ego there, and there's there's just too much competition, and they're jealous or whatever, or there's just a, there's no connection. And they're just like, screw you. You don't got right. it's. You don't have anything I need. Get out of my face. It's a sad thing, right. you know. Well, we get to pave the road now. And we're doing it, so yeah. I appreciate you yeah. creating this opportunity, this space. I've had a blast, and I look forward to the next one. Yeah, thanks for your time, brother. We'll be in touch. Thank you, brother. Peace, Peace man. Check out my website at getrealordietrying.com. Leave me a voicemail on anchor.fm slash get real or die trying. Rate and review us on Apple Podcasts or any of the platforms you listen on. Be sure to follow me on social media and share this podcast with your friends. Word of mouth is a great way to share the vibe. Get Real or Die Trying with Amadon Delerba is a production of Global Change Media. And remember, pain is temporary, victory is eternal.